Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Welcome to episode 45 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. Today we have a special guest, Tom Fidgen of the Unplug Workshop, and it's just me, Chris Atkins. Um, we've had a couple of things come up, and uh, Tom says he's sick or some excuse like that, and Diami says he's working, so um, it's close to the holiday, so we're just going to go ahead and handle this. And uh, So I'd like to go ahead and just bring in Tom now, and uh, welcome, Tom. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm happy your other Tom is away because it would just got too, way too confusing having two Toms online here. Oh, my and gosh. You'd be, saying, you'd be saying, hey, Tom, and I'd be saying, yeah, and he'd be going, hey, yeah, Chris, and it would just be a whole conundrum, I'm sure. Oh, it would be terrible. And Tom, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, Tom speaks really loud, so you may, at some point in time, we may hear Tom's voice just coming, <laughs> you know, through the air randomly. So, uh, okay. so it's You can gonna... edit him in later, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it's getting close to the holidays. So everybody's getting pretty busy right now. So, uh, what, what about you? What do you, what do you kind of got going on right now? Well, I just finished off some, um, a really busy fall schedule of teaching and, uh, it's just this past Saturday. In fact, was my last class and now I'm taking off a couple of weeks until the new year. And I'm currently, I'm getting lots of emails and this time of year, I, I always do our gift certificates. So, you know, it's the gift certificate season. And, and, you know, I got to be honest, I absolutely hate doing that, but you got to do it, right? So I I do it and then I completely forget about it. So like in six time, in six months time, someone's going to contact me. Oh, hey, Tom. Yeah, my wife got me some gift certificates last Christmas. So now I want to cash them in. And and then you feel like you're working for free like (laughs) next summer when this guy calls me. and I totally gap that. I, you know, all right. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's all good. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, it is the season. It, it 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 is the season. No, I know what you mean. It is easy to do stuff like that when you're you kind of forget about it down the road. So yeah. Um. So you uh you actually just came out with your second book. That's right. Yeah, the unplugged wood shop. Yeah. Uh, in September, it came out with the Totten Press. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, as far as I'm aware, it just seems to be going good, I guess. Uh, I've been hearing good things about it, and people seem to uh, be accepting it. And so that's cool, you know. It's it's such a weird thing, um, publishing, and, and when you're not... You know, it's it's you kind of do your part, and then you kind of just let it go. And and I, I kind of am used to that feeling just through having a, a, a music career. And, and when you, it's kind of like the same thing. You record a record, and then you kind of put it out there, and then you just kind of wait and see, right? You don't really know. There's no instant gratification, really. And and in the publishing industry, it's even more so because it's not like I'm out there playing live. So it's like, oh, here's a new song off my new record. So it's like, well, here's a new project from my new book, and you know, it's there's none of that. So. Right. It's a different game altogether, but yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, everything kind of feeds itself. So from the teaching to the books to the blog to, uh, you know, all that stuff, it all keeps the ball rolling forward. So it's it's good. Now, now the the book kind of explains just kind of the premise. There's, you know, kind of the, the way that the book lays out. I mean, it's kind of a almost a year in the shop or something like that. Is that that's kind of the theory behind it? 
Yeah, absolutely. It, um, it, it, it's actually a bit better than a year, but <clears throat> I think I say a year in the book just to round it off nicely, but I think it was a, a little bit better than a year. Um, yeah, and I kind of went in. I, I knew there was there was definitely like two or three projects going into what I really wanted to do, and they were kind of – I do a lot of commission work, and um, you always – through commission work, you always have the, the jobs you'd like to be doing for yourself, and you never have the opportunity and – you know, the, everyone has their wish list of their things. You know, I'm sure you have your own. You know, oh, what yeah. do you want to build this month, Chris? And you'd, you'd have your list of things. Oh, I really want to, you know. And right. so I was, I was no different. And um, so then when, you, when I get the opportunity to, to do the book, then I can go, oh, that's this thing I've been thinking about building now. And so I really, I went, like, I had a lot of stuff in there. And um, I really had to cut it back, to be honest. Um, I, I really had to cut it back. I had, I had at least 20 different project type ideas that I wanted to get through. And I, I can't remember what the finished list was. I think we cut four or five projects out by the end of it. And, but yeah, it was about a year, you know, and, and it was projects that I really made a, a conscious effort not to, uh, I wanted to just do something that I ha- I personally hadn't seen in other publications, right? You know, just, yeah. just for my own sanity, really, of, of doing it, right? No, and I think that, and I, that was one of the things I actually was a, was a comment I was going to make on the on the book was that the projects are uh, are pretty diverse. I mean, there's a lot of projects, and it's projects that are cool projects that you don't necessarily see out there. Um, you know, like the the architects table. You know, I yeah. I really like that the whole concept of it, and uh, and there's a couple in there that's like that that's that's kind of not your normal project. Um, you know, yeah. building another standard box or something like that exactly yeah and i mean there's not like everyone there's nothing against that but we didn't need another book uh, with a blanket box in there or, uh, sure. or uh, whatever you know our blanket chest that's what you, you call them i mean yeah. and uh, they're fine they're cool and I, i'd love to build a blanket chest but you know i i've seen it on every magazine over the last 20 years so i mean i just wanted to try to get outside of that and yeah. and hopefully i did right and just put my own kind of twist on things because i know just when i live in i live in downtown toronto so i can't go outside without walking down the street here and seeing something that i go that's kind of cool i could build that and especially today when everything is there's such a a real i don't know if it's like this in um in atlanta where you're at atlanta right yeah atlanta yeah yeah but in toronto every store you go into it's like reclaim this and recycle yeah. that and it's like every that's really trendy right, right now sure it is. and, and so it can get a little tiring but at the same time there is some cool stuff going on so <clears throat> drawing from that i suppose i you know i couldn't help but be influenced by that and i just wanted to kind of find my own recycled or reclaimed ideas like the card catalog and that's the best yeah. example and that was kind of the first one because i i say this in the book but my wife and i have one um that her school my wife's a school teacher and, mm-hmm. and her school was throwing out their card catalogs about at least 10 years ago i guess and um we grabbed two of them and one of them is still in my house in cape breton in our kitchen and i just thought that's such a cool project but you know, it has such a great backstory because no one's ever going to build a card catalog anymore because sure. it's a piece of furniture that's completely obsolete. So I, I kind of mm. looked and thought about that for a while. And the, and the architect table is, is a little bit of that, too. And, you know, all the projects, I suppose, have a bit of that element in it. And um, Yeah, like the Gentleman's Cafe. I mean, that was another uh, uh, Gentleman's Valley. I thought that was another yeah. kind of cool, you know. You don't see those too often. No, right? so no, it's, but it's a it's neat project. Of, it's a neat project. And and the truth is, too, when it comes to this type of, of a book, you kind of pack 
all the kind of woodwork into these small pieces. And the valet is a really good example. There's a whole bunch of technique in crammed in that little footprint. And if, if you were a client and you called me and say, hey, Tom, can you build me this? I probably wouldn't build it exactly like that one, right? Yeah. I, I would kind of maybe, not to say I'd simplify it, but, you know, there's things I might do a little differently, whereas you do things for the book for the sake of people seeing the technique, right? Yeah. That's what it's about at the end of the day. When you're putting out a woodworking book, you want to show technique. Same with my first book, right? The the side table on the cover of uh, Made by Hand. It's like it's cr- a whole bunch of little woodworking techniques. And again, I've I've since built that table again and and simplified it a bit, and it makes more sense from a, you know. But I hope I hope the way the books come across that people kind of. I really encourage people to just you know be inspired, hopefully by what I write, but make it your own. Sure. You know, I, I couldn't build those pieces right, right into the book myself, right? If I was building them again, I can, right. I can never build anything twice. It's just not my – I can't play this a song twice the same, right? So I can't sure. build anything the same. And- well, I've said that a lot about, you know, one one of my big things is, is when – when with all my woodworking, <clears throat> I – and, and when I go to any, if I ever take a class or if I go to a show or something like that, the thing that always piques my interest the most is design. And, and so I love seeing books that, that incorporate design, you know, cause mm. that's, that's what, that's what interests, you know, me is, you know, the techniques are, are one thing and you can always pick up techniques and stuff, but the thing that piques my interest is some design. So it's always nice seeing just some different things. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll spend a lot of time just, just online, just surfing through pictures and stuff and just, you know, Oh, that's kind of cool. I'll save it and catalog it away somewhere and take a look at it later. Just for to- sure. For sure. Me too. Yeah. I just love, I love the creative process. I love, uh, yeah, like you just said, and, and the sites like the, oh, it's, a, it's like Pinterest and those types right. of places where people just upload cool sure. things. And, you know, I, I'm horrible at those things, but I can go to there and get sucked into those and spend like an hour just going through cool pictures that people post and neat design. And I'm just all over the map with that stuff. You know, I, I, I get Dwell magazine. I, I can't go into a grocery store without looking at Dwell magazine, you know, right. just for modern designs. And mm-hmm. then the next stage I'm buying like uh, whatever, I don't know, Leathercraft or Metalwork and then American Artists and then whatever magazine, right? It's just magazines are so addictive. I'm, I'm a magazine junkie for sure, right? Right. So – so when when you start design on stuff, I mean, what what's your approach? Are you a big sketcher? You like sketching by hand? Well, I you... love sketching. Yeah, I, I draw all the time. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here at my desk and I'm I've got my iPad here. I've got a <laughs> book here. I've got like just so many little like sketchbooks right in front of me here. Right. And Actually, just... we just talked about this on on Twitter the other day. I I had. Uh... I'm sorry. I'm I'm here holding them up in front of me. Like we're we're on. Uh... I'm forgetting that we're on. We're not. I'm. I'm looking at you on Skype well, here. Well, yeah. For, for those that are those that are listening, uh, <laughs> right? For those that are listening, there's only two of us on Skype. So when there's two of us, I can actually see the other person. We typically can't, so it it eliminates all it. But uh, it's weird for me actually. Uh, we there you go. That's we used to record it a little different, but um, but yeah, it actually um, the other day I'd, I'd mentioned on Twitter um, something about I, I use. Um, uh, paper is an app that I use use on on the iPad a lot, and I sketch with that quite a bit. And you'd you'd mentioned that um, that I think you'd got the you'd ordered the pencil. I'm waiting too. If I, You're it still hasn't waiting. Shown up. It's been three weeks now. Yeah. I ordered the walnut too. They have a graphite. I one, saw the Walnut one. So yeah. I had to order the walnut. One <laughs> that's course. right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of a new thing. I still prefer just 
Right. Real paper. Just on paper. (laughs) Right. But no, I, I, I do like that. I don't do a whole lot in SketchUp. You know, I wish I could. I really wish I could. You know, I've yeah. tried it a lot ever since, even back when I was, um, like, doing other work, more kind of set design work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when, you know, and, and the guys I would work with at the time would give me CAD programs all the time. That was 15 years ago, I guess, right? And, mm-hmm. and SketchUp was just kind of getting going around that time. <clears throat> feel so old i guess sketch remember back when sketchup was no and so but everything was cad and i really wished i could you know so i kind of got into sketchup just for that and it was kind of like motivated to to learn it but i just never you know some programs just kind of hook you and you you feel and that just never got got to me but but um it's still just yeah it's paper it's pencil it's scribbles yeah i find that that most of the time that i'm sketching i'm either in the middle of the night, pulling out my notepad beside the bed and sitting here sketching something out, or I'm sitting in front of somebody and and we're talking about something and they're trying to visualize it, and I grab a piece of paper and just start sketching something yeah. out on it. So, me, me, yeah, I know just what you mean, especially like with my wife, right? And you're right. you're describing something to your spouse or your partner, yeah. and it's just like, oh, here, and you just grab a pencil. It's like, oh yeah, right. okay, everything. Right. Right. You know, and that's how you make, you share dreams that way, right? Sure. It kind of sounds kind of yeah. corny, but it's, it's yeah, like, it's true. you know, and renovations or if it's a piece of furniture or if it's this or that, you, it's so easy just to get an idea across to someone by just scribbling it on a piece of paper. So I, I find the design process for me works the exact same way. The fastest yeah. way for me to nail something and get it out is, is just grabbing that and, and getting it down. So I'm hoping that the, the, the uh, paper app lends itself well to that but i actually just used it in a in a in a way uh, i had a uh, an email just the other day of someone who was building the saw bench for my new book and he he was mentioning the the joint um the lap joint on the splayed side of the leg where it meets the top on the saw mm-hmm. bench and he couldn't get his head around that joint and and he said there wasn't a really clear picture in the book and he was right i went back and looked and i was like yeah you're right there's not really a really good shot of that joint mm-hmm. so i just drew it in paper for him and emailed him right away and he's like oh thanks right on he got it so in that case it was really handy to have that app so yeah. good on 53 maybe they'll send us some, some i don't know <laughs> gear or something there you go <laughs> um so so on the book there's i mean a couple of things i'd like to just kind of you know one of the interesting things is is you know you're kind of known i guess for just you know, the, the unplugged, you know, just working with hand tools. Yeah. Um, kind of what led you down that road? Had you always done just hand tools or did you start out using some power tools? Where did, where did you kind of go from that? Um, I started out like probably everyone else in North America, you know, set design. I had a cordless drill. I had my DeWalt and my, my 18 volt, whatever it was. And I went through like three of those kits, that whole kit, over 12 years of building set design, right? Because everything you build has to come apart two days later. It's all just, you know, quick and anything. So um, as far as my own work, same way, you know, I had a chain, I have a chainsaw at home and I used to build boats, right? I used to build wooden boats and that kind of, that was my first step away from just um, helping my dad build, frame a house or, or do stuff like that. And that was power tools. Um, boat building was really when it kind of started going towards hand tools because 
frankly, boats with all the epoxy and all the fiberglass and the, on the hull, right. when it came time to get, when I was getting close <laughs> to the end of the boat, I, I could put away all the chemicals, the epoxies and the toxic crap and and start going with my at the time it was all all lee nielsen everything was you know and there was lee nielsen kind of had a boat thing about them being in maine and, and i used to subscribe to wooden boat magazine and they, i, I still subscribe see, to it yeah, there you go that's cool <laughs> there. um so yeah so lee nielsen always they had that that hook in with them so you know i would grab my little bronze block plane and start beveling the strakes on the side of the boat and doing this and that but anyway so the fitting out part became the like my the best part about building a boat was that end part when I could put away the power tools and just get out the hand tools and um that was right up until two thousand and seven I think two thousand six two thousand and seven I built the last boat for someone at the time and um that's when it, it, i that's when I moved to toronto i i left that was in cape breton where mm-hmm. where I was doing that. And uh, moved to Toronto and left the power tools there. And honest to God, I have not plugged one in since. So, really? And, and I still, we go home every summer to Cape Breton. And my shop is, my boat shop's still there full of power tools. And uh, home renos, I'm still, actually I'm lying. I did use, we used my bandsaw to, to rip up some spruce that we, a friend of mine blocked up uh, a spruce tree, 24-foot spruce tree, just to use as um Trim out exterior on the house, and we used our, the bandsaw to rip it up. But uh, and that was what two summers ago, I guess. So yeah, you know. Were you cringing sun- using that? <laughs> no, it was fine. It was fine. Bandsaws, you know. I always tell people, you know, when I'm, you know, maybe in twenty years' time, when I'm when I'm older and fatter, um, I'll uh, a bandsaw would be the first tool I think I would get again. That's the one tool that I kind of, you know. I, I could easily have, but yeah. I guess with all the new technology and the saw stops. So, but being a musician, power tools are scary, right? I mean, I, I worked for an acrylic designer for a year as well. And, um, that really, actually that was, when was that? That was kind of in between boats and, and hand tools, but that really taught me about precision, you know, cause working with acrylic, there is absolutely no forgiveness. And, um, you know, wood has a nice squish factor. Wood is so, so uh, you know, friendly to work, but acrylic and plastics and stuff like that is just deathly stuff. So you got to be bang on. So anyway, one day I was um, working with a router and I almost cut my, you can, I don't know if you can see it, but this, this knuckle right here is almost gone, cut into my side, just a bad router accident. Uh. So I, I don't miss... Man, routers, shapers, those things still kind of terrify me. But uh, anyway, I, no. I actually think I, I remember a post from you. I don't know. It was a year or two ago. You had a blog post, and and you you were talking about you had a handsaw, and you made some joke about your saw stop handsaw, and how oh, you, yeah. you you couldn't get your finger off with your because you stopped. Is it was uh, it was like uh, flesh detecting uh, <laughs> yeah, technology, yeah. high tech stuff, eh? You know, and every student that comes to my shop, they always we always joke about that, right? Just with saw stop in the news these days and stuff. Sure. But yeah, it's it's really. You know, it's just kind of what I did and what I, that's been since like 2007, 2008, Made by Hand came out in 2008, I think. And I've just, I haven't even, you know, the the hardest part in the beginning was just getting my head around, like take the architect table here that I'm sitting at right now, in fact. Nice. Um, 
this piece has a lot of pieces in it. There's a lot of components in this piece, and uh, even the top, which you'll see in the when in the videos come out of the top here, like relaminating all these pieces, and just get my head around that six years ago or eight years ago when I when I stopped using power tools. You know, it was just, you know, you got to rip all this wood and then you got to dimension it all before you start even thinking about the joinery. That part was hard to get my head around. But nowadays, I don't even don't even give it a second thought. It's just second nature now. And, you know, it's not I, I totally get it's not for everyone. Right. And, and when students come over, I, I told I tell them that the same thing. Right. I don't expect you to go home and like sell your band saws or your tape. It's like this works for me. If you well, you've seen my shop. It's in the book. You know, yeah. it's a small 12 by 12 space. And it just wouldn't work with power. Yeah. So I'd, I'd have to go and find some space um, in the city, which is pretty pretty rude here in toronto i don't know what atlanta's like but toronto's pretty rude as far as price wise goes and oh, it so is, i've too. managed to maintain my little hand tool shop in the basement now for these many years and you know a couple of more years and it'll be time to move on from here but but for now it's 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 cool yeah well you know what what i always find is interesting i mean i'm you know I, I kind of use a bit of both. I mean, I grew up, I I used to talk about how my grandfather, you know, when he grew up, he did, he was a woodworker and my father's woodworker. So my grandfather used all hand tools and my mm-hmm. dad, you know, we, we had a hundred by 40 foot cabinet shop up in North Carolina. It's my dad's. And there was one old rusty hand plane laying in there. Yeah. And we had one You'd night. Like scratch your arse with it or something. Right. right? Exactly. Like, you wouldn't even never touch wood. It was like driving nails right. and like knocking stuff off the top shelf. That's with right. And stuff. Yeah. We yeah, had, I had one of those too. We we did the only th- other thing that I say on top of that, and these are my favorite tools of this day, is we did have three set of chisels that a a, a blacksmith made, but. All of my guys, my dad's guys, they, they sharpened it, you know. They would basically grab the belt sander and throw it upside down and slap these, you know, awesome forged pre-World War II chisels. And they'd throw it on the belt sander, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no, just pound it. everything with it. So yeah. so I kind of grew up in both sides. So I, I've kind of always had a little bit of a mixture. But, you know, but I've also done a few projects where I've said, hey, I'm just going to do this by hand. And and I have always enjoyed the projects that I've I've done that with. But um, what I was going to say is one of the things that there there are things that you come up to and you go, well, yeah, this is great, but I really couldn't do it on this project because you know I'm not going to resaw a board by hand. But then, like in the book, you talked about you know taking the curving saw and actually making the curving saw. And then using that to go around and, and start, and it's like, oh, okay, you know. And so it, mm. it, it's. I think it's good to bring some of these techniques, and you know, for me, whether I use it or not, I just enjoy seeing the techniques and and going. Sure. All right, this is how. If I'm going to do this, this is how I would do it. Yeah, that that little the box, um, the it's the medicine chest is where yeah. that was done. The the what you're talking about right now, and that was probably one of the most enjoyable projects that i had in the book Mm -hmm. because of that and that was kind of that just happened on the fly i didn't really think too hard ahead about that i had the piece of holly and in fact i had that piece of holly for quite a while and i just the only thing i was using it for was the handle and the stringing in the in the valet chapter and even though i'm not even sure how they appear in the book they don't i don't know if they're in you know the valet actually came first Mm -hmm. but um i think in the book it comes after after the uh after the medicine chest, but 
at any rate, the, the, the idea came when I had that piece of holly and I turned the, I made the handle for the valet and I thought, man, I just wanted to, I just wanted to work with holly and make a cabinet at a holly. And I still want to, that didn't really satisfy my need. I really want to make a, 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 a white cabinet at a holly. Yeah. Like I've never, I've never seen one. Have you ever seen a, a full piece made in a holly? Not board? a full piece. No, no, me neither. No. I don't know why. I mean, I, you don't see very big, like the only plank I could find was pretty gnarly and it was kind of a small piece. So that, that's what inspired just doing the whole veneer thing with it. And, um, I have yeah. a, um, <laughs> I have a tree that that um, a guy called my dad up and said, "Hey, I've got a holly in my yard. I've cut the limbs off of it. Do you want the the log?" And Dad calls me up and I'm like, "Sure, let's go get it." So it's it's um, across the bottom. It's three feet across and wow. almost a little over two feet the other direction. Maybe we can do a little barter. <laughs> so it's massive. The thing was like 30, 35 feet tall. So I, I've, uh, I've, I've, so got, where is it now? Where is it? It's is up it in North cut? Carolina. I've cut part of it. Um, part of it. I've, I slice some slices off the end and then I've, I resaw, you know, um, kind of slice the rest of it. So I've been drying it. And, uh, so, right it, on. but yeah, yeah. So, I, I'm going to come to Atlanta. You're going to have I'll, to come to Atlanta. I'll, yeah, I'll have to barter something. Yeah, we'll, we'll barter something. I'll sing someone. for my supper down there. <laughs> you got yeah. it. Yeah, so. that'd be nice. Yeah, I've never seen it. And it's just such a, a, a nice tight wood. It, it looks a little bit, well, like a, any kind of, I guess, is it a fruit tree? Yeah, holly, berries, right? I think it's, yeah, it's a fruit. Berries, it, I guess it would be. Yeah, but it's such a, t- it's almost like apple or something. You were just breaking up there on me. Oh, really? Can you yeah. hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, your your whole sound just changed. Maybe it's my end. I don't know. Who anyway, knows? that's okay. Either way, as long as you can hear me, and I can, I can, I still hear yeah. you. So, um, well, one of the things that's interesting about Holly to me is, you know, you've you've talked about, you know, your musician stuff, and and my, um, I I was looking in just to kind of some some musical instruments and just a guitar, like a like kind of the Les Paul type, you know, kind of guitar, and and the way all that. Yeah. And it was so interesting when I was I was reading a lot about that was. There you go. He's holding up his guitar right now. You get the, the, There's the, the last Paul. The last Paul right now. So. A nice old cream one. Yeah. But what's cool Sorry. about that is 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 on uh, oh, shoot uh, the at the top up there. You've got where your your fret keys. Yeah, yeah the on head. the headstock in the headstock. Yeah, that that face which is basically dyed like black. It's typically holly is what they used on that. Well, wow, I didn't know that. It's that that very thin little layer up on top that's basically yeah. black. They used holly for that, and and it's interesting cool. that as white of and I guess the reason is because it was just so clear of a wood. I mean, it's super dense, it's super clear. You know, there's no mm-hmm. grain whatsoever in it. It's just no. it's it's pretty much just so, and it and it dies good. So yeah, yeah, for sure. You see guys dying it all the time, and a lot mm-hmm. of the veneer shops too. They have their holly dyed veneers and stuff um yeah i i loved working with it i yeah. really loved working with it so and and sawing it for for veneer was was really nice yeah. i mean i say veneer and people you know they're they're like an eighth inch yeah about that you know yeah. most people don't think veneer and think of an eighth of an inch thick they think one what what do they get of an inch of of in the shop 140 is that what the typical oh, super something like right that? yeah they it's super yeah. yeah, but if you, you know, if if you're going to, and I think that's, I think that's a good point though to bring mm-hmm. up to a lot, whether you're using power tools or whether you're using hand tools, 
you know, there's no reason you can't make your own veneers like that. Mm -hmm. And and typically that's what it's going to be. And, you know, in the times that I've done that, um, I've got a um, I've got a cigar box sitting in front of me here that I used end grain veneer that I took locust and and sliced and and it was about an eighth of an inch. It, I may have cut it. It may have been three sixteenths because I wanted a little thicker because of that. So, uh, but you're you right. just you just said locust. It was locust. Yeah. You know what? This is, we have a lot of funny little parallels because I right now have my in my shop a locust tree all cut to use the end grain rings that I'm using on the inside of a really. Of, I swear to God, yeah. I'll, I'll send you a picture. It's, it's, it's cut. I'll, I'll send you one, too. And th- my locust came from a, a boat builder friend of mine in Massachusetts who brought me up this because they use locusts a lot in boat building. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, that's hilarious. And I'm doing mine. I have this walnut chest. Um, and inside, uh, it's almost kind of like the card catalog. It's a whole bunch, and I'm using that that half grain ring. How you have yeah, yours there on yeah. the box that no one knows because we're on the we're, we're people <laughs> are only listening to this, and here we are right. keep we're holding sh- we keep things up in front of our camera. <laughs> right, you're gonna have to do a video podcast. <laughs> you got it. So your cigar box, but yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, locust, and and I've never used it. I have just that one piece, and. Um, he he had a, he built a a really nice uh, bed out of it, and it's just really that's some hard heavy wood. It is. Yeah. So that that your cigar box there is is about eighth of an inch, you say? It's the veneer. Probably almost three sixteenths. I, I I think I started out about three sixteenths, and then by the time I cut it down, you know, to really smooth it out, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little less than that. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's good to see. I'm I'm totally going to do that now. That's yeah, it was cool. neat. It actually worked really well, and um, I've I've used it, um, I've used it a couple of different times. But this was the kind of first experiment with it, and I was pretty happy with it. Mm, for sure. Yeah, um, that's good to know. Because I've been, you know, it's truth is I've had that in my shop for man. It's got to be three, four years that it's been sitting there, and it's yeah. sawn. It, it's probably like quarter of an inch right now, and I'm just, I've always think I'm just going to cut it down and cut it down and do something with the end grain. But right. uh, that's good to see. Yeah, there. Um, but you know, up in North Carolina, <laughs> the locust is used for you know fence posts a lot. That's that's kind of what most of our fence posts were made of. And so you'll you'll Makes find sense that it's in used in boats too. Then in, in Massachusetts, yeah, I mean it's just such a durable wood; it just doesn't yeah. decay a lot. And uh, you'll you'll find a lot of old locust fence posts around that are, you know, it's it's kind of rough. But then you start slicing it up, and you're like, you know, this is some beautiful stuff. You know, it's, it looks it's kind really, of like oak a little bit. I found anyway the piece I have a little bit oaky. It's got it's got a little oakiness to it. It's kind of uh, all the one I've got is a is a little darker. It's got you know. Um, I actually used. I made a, a another kind of little small little sliding top box uh, for for one of the kids. Um, I don't know a couple of weeks ago, and and it looked a lot like like another wood that that we we use up there is you know chestnut still shows up a lot. Mm. You've got a lot of old, and it still has that color of like a chestnut to it. That that kind of medium type brown kind of look to it. Yeah, a friend of mine has some nice chestnut in Cape Breton. Oh, Mike, maybe he'll be listening tonight. And he, uh, yeah, he's he's been sitting on some nice chestnut that came from, uh, they widened one of the roads in downtown Sydney in Nova Scotia where I was born. And mm-hmm. he got some elm and some chestnut off it. So I'm hoping nice. I can 
get a plank of that. It's funny, eh? When you turn into a wood geek and you get excited about like <laughs> That's know, right. Yeah. But I mean it's everything's just well, up here in, in Ontario anyway, it's all walnut and it's oak. And then uh, from Pennsylvania, we get cherry. When mm-hmm. I'm out east, though, it's everything's just maple and birch. We have no walnut outies. We have no yeah. very little oak outies. It's all just maple. Bird's eye maple is like crazy out there. I think yeah. it's from the steel plants and all the PCBs in the soil or something. I don't know. And flame birch is big. And like, nice. so it's, it's a lot of that. But, you know, so chestnuts, elms, those are species I get kind of excited for. And like holly and just mm-hmm. oddballs like that. Mm-hmm. Locusts here in Toronto, the streets are lined with it. Really? Yeah. There's, they, they, you know, in front of my house right here. Um, and in fact, most of my street, it's all locusts, but they're, they're fairly probably. 30, 40 year old trees are still kind of small. Right. But um, yeah, it's, it's funny in the city. I don't know what Atlanta is like, but they say about 9,000 trees going to landfill on an average year here in Toronto. 9,000 oh. trees. Uh, and I'm sure, I mean, that's, you know, being in construction stuff, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, we, you know, we cut a lot of trees and, you know, we, we, we do replace them. I mean, you know, it's, all of our requirements that we have to do, but still, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to replace a tree. You know, I, I oh, did yeah. a project where you've got these big, huge, beautiful, you know, trees. Um, you know, we had some, some beach that were just enormous beach trees. I mean, just beautiful trees and yeah, you have to replace the caliper and stuff on it, but you're not replacing that tree, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. But so you, you, you can't. And, and then what happens to it. all that stuff you cut, you guys, are you able to use it or does it go to a landfill site? No, we, we actually, um, we, we logged those. So we'll, we'll have it sent off. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah. We don't, we don't, uh, we don't send it to a landfill or anything. We do use yeah. it. So, um, and then it's, it's always kind of cool. Cause I always kind of geek out a little bit because we'll have, uh, you know, inevitably I've got somebody come by and go, Hey, I'm a wood turner. Can I go cut a piece of the end of that? And I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, some of the other guys are like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're uh, a wood turner? <laughs> I'll be, I'll be walking my kids to school and yeah, you see they spray paint the orange, you know, when the yeah. tree's getting ready and I just like, I want to come and sit under it for a couple of waiting for the truck to come and go, can I have just like a piece of that? And they think I was crazy. And my wife would beat me if I took any more, like, you know, our place here is really small, like everywhere in Toronto. And it's just, uh, I have no space, no space. So when, when I bring home and for the first few years, we moved back to the city, you know, I talk about one man's garbage is another man's treasure, right? And people just throw stuff out all the time, and you just see, and it's like, I can do something with that. So I'm That's horrible. Right. I'm horrible at that kind of stuff, taking stuff home and just sitting on it for a while. And I've got some nice mahogany shutters sitting out in my, my carport right now that I've been kind of thinking about. I can bust them apart and make something out of them, but we'll see. Nice. Yeah. Now, um, we of course, you know, it's a woodworking podcast, and we've talked a lot about woodworking, but... <laughs> Um, but I, I can't have you on here and not talk a little bit about music because, you know, that's, sure, yeah. you're, you're, you're kind of, I actually have, um, I've actually got some of your songs. I actually have on my favorites on my iPod, one of your, your, uh, your songs on here. Is that right? Which <laughs> yeah. one? Uh, I think it's, uh, uh, the, uh, a boy named fish or the, yeah, yeah. That's the album. I, I did that album in 2010, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, cool. So yeah, talk a little bit about that. I mean, I, uh, when I told everybody that you were coming on just through some of the social media, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, talk about the music a little bit." So, <laughs> um, well, um, what can I say about music? I, I started playing guitar um, 
30 years ago. Wow. <laughs> man, I feel so old when I say that. I was telling that to a student the other day, and I'm only 42, but I mean, I started when I was 12, right? So I've been playing guitar for 30 years. Man, that freaks me out when I say that. But that's life. So yeah, 30 years, and I mean, um, started out just on an acoustic guitar and then quickly got an electric guitar and then uh, played in a band and did the whole Canadian music scene and had a record released in Australia and we just did that whole thing. And I still play every single day. You know, my guitars are all, you know, I've got four guitars within an arm's reach of sitting here talking to you right now. And nice. um, it's part of my life, right? It's a, it's a, it's just, and I think anyone that plays an instrument, it's kind of, it's kind of like that, right? It's a real, it's an outlet. And, um, when I get tired in the shop, I come up and grab my guitar and when I'm doing a record or if I'm playing guitar a lot or touring or gigging a lot, um, then I inevitably want to get back to the wood shop, right? They kind of, they kind of feed each other in a lot of ways. So, but um, I'm going to do some recording this winter. Um, the whole time of, of doing the, uh, the last book, um, that same thing would happen, right? I'd come up into the wood shop and go, man, I just got to sit down and kind of vent and get away from the, the, the wood for uh, f- an hour or two. And inevitably a new tune would come up. And I mean, for any wood, uh, guitar geeks out there, um, Interesting. Lately, for the last, uh, since I started the book in 2011, I haven't played in standard tuning. Do you play guitar? I, I, I've I played enough to where um, I would like to play more. <laughs> so if I say stan- uh, standard tuning is E-A-D-G-B-E, right? That's a standard tuned guitar. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your right. yeah. So I've been playing in an open C tuning for the past two years, mm-hmm. which is uh, C, G, C, G, C, D. And um, it's a great finger style uh, solo guitar kind of tuning. And <clears throat> I did a, a tune on um, a Canadian fiddle player. Actually, one of the videos I just posted recently, um, the tune was called Mermaids. And um, it's, uh, it's in that tuning. So I've been playing all the time in that. And I kind of have this whole record. Um, it's very much inspired by the ocean. It has a mm-hmm. whole lot of different ocean themes and um so yeah i'm really i'd love to record that this winter at some point if i can maybe you know just something quick and live off the floor and nothing too uh extravagant but yeah so that's that's where music is for me these days yeah i actually just found in here it's top of the morning is the song that i've got on my oh yeah that's a that's a kicking one isn't it i liked it that's a good song (laughs) yeah thanks man but Thanks. you know, what, one reason I bring it up too, because what's what's interesting about you know woodworkers when you you take woodworkers and you you know I always just you know talked a lot of woodworkers and, and kind of see what the people and you find there's some common things you know music is a lot of times a common thing you know um, you know cooking you know where you're you're yeah. getting in there I mean there's things like that that's fairly common with woodworkers and I don't know if it's you know just that that creative process or. I think it is. I, th- I really think it is. Yeah, I don't know too many musicians that don't woodwork. You know, In my band yeah. Sunfish, um, which that was my band's name before I started putting out my own records. All through the nineties, it was Sunfish, and um, the uh, the drummer of that band he built himself a timber frame house, and he's uh, he teaches high school shop wood shop now, nice. and. And the bass player in that band, it was a three-piece band, and the bass player is a luthier in Cape Breton. He builds guitars. And, um, yeah, so the, I don't know. It's, it's just like 
Ashley uh, McIsaac, the fiddle player who I, I did that tune with, the Mermaid's tune, he, he does woodwork on the side. Um, and, and the same goes through with most of the woodworkers I know. Yeah, they all, oh, yeah, I've got an acoustic guitar and I strum it in the shop. Sure. And it's, yeah, it's always, it's a real, there's a lot of parallels. I think they they both come from the same place inside, you know, that same desire. Yeah. If you're, like you said, you're cooking or you're baking, you're drawing, you're creating something, right? right? Right. Metal workers, leather work, mm-hmm. it's all it's all the same. It comes from the same spot, right? Yeah, most most definitely. Yeah. Well, um well I think that kind of gets us to where we're going. Um, you know, just you know, appreciate you coming on. Wanted to uh I, I actually had reached out to you about a year ago and we we'd talked about you coming on and just uh you know, we were, we were waiting for the, the, the book and uh getting some of that and so I'm I'm really glad uh enjoyed you coming on. Thanks, man. I, I'm I'm happy I finally made it. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, having me on for yeah. sure, Chris. Yeah, yeah. All right, and so if you are missing as already, you can subscribe to the show in iTunes. Uh, you can just search the Modern Woodworks Association, and once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting episode. Uh, while you're on iTunes, make sure you leave us a five star rating. Uh, it helps our ranking so uh, others can find us more easily. Here, let me play you out there, Chris. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Play me out on this. All right, so that's awesome. And so if you're uh, joining us, make sure you go to the Modern Motor Association, and you can find us there. And I'm Chris Adkins, and you can find me at highrockwoodworking.com. And until next time, uh, thanks for listening. (laughs) 